as the UK gently eases out of lockdown this week, we're back to a six pack with me back included. And um, although I do say six pack, that's a little more beer than washboard stomach, in case you're wondering. With the full set of features in another two hour Mad Axman special. You've got Andy's quiz, you've got our chat about painting, you've got our chat about gaming. You've got a review of the number 234, the French Ordnance Army and ADLG. And teaching to me about Napoleon makes a possibly unwelcome return as we creep ever closer to the war in Russia. It's a packed week. There's the usual load of rubbish. Um, it's a little bit warm outside, so sit back, enjoy the podcast in your garden with a beer. This means war. This means war. Well, welcome. We're now, yet again for the second week, a gang of six slightly different gang of six i have cycled back in um not literally metaphorically i suppose and we've cycled adam out this week as we're unusually recording on a on a tuesday which means that um mrs adam has taken preference for her book club over the zoom account um so so we're now back to a gang of six and we're bringing back all of the usual features the full set this week um the full epic monochrome multicolor multi-format panavision widescreen malarkey with all the different theme tunes inserted in there in various places and bef- without further ado um we can look at the podcast which has only just been released from last week and try and see if we can answer some of the questions that we didn't actually answer last week because we didn't actually ask them and i will now go around the table and starting with andy first of all um the question of it uh, the question is do charm bracelet charms have a role in wargaming? Yes or no? Yes, because they're used for diplomatic leverage when you spend too much on an army. You can say, how much did you spend on the charms? Or look at the charms I bought from you. So indirectly, the they deal with a powerful effect. Fine. In, in paying for mercenaries. Mr. Leroy Mayer, what about you? What's your thought on charm bracelets? On What basing do you use for charm bracelets? I prefer uh, 30 mil by 30 mil squared for um, charm bracelets. Um, but yes, I do think they have a good use because you can always bribe your opponent or if need be, look at the shiny, shiny jingle, jingle, jingle while you move your troops to the right location. That's a good answer. Mr. Saunders, what about you? Have you, um, have you stuck, drilled any holes in the bottom of them and stuck small magnets onto them? Uh, I've, I've got the um, bases through from um, war bases. They've arrived. But would you, would you mount any charm bracelets on them? That's the question. Uh, no, no, but I was one of the charm braces. I was thinking, I, I was thinking more of those live strong yellow rubber bands that people used to wear, the sort of um, cyclist um, things. Okay. Well, you yeah, could use that doesn't cut it with the good ladies. And I was thinking there's certain war gamers, you can imagine wearing those rubber bands with uh, live strong and things yeah. like this, you know. Okay, that's yeah. deep. That's deep. Tamsin, what about you? What's your charm bracelet theory? Does it, the painting arm, does it weigh the painting arm? Does it weigh the painting arm? I haven't done it myself, but I have seen people use char- charm bracelet charms for making a sort of decoration on t- on terrain, particularly fantasy. <laughs> so that's a proper wargaming answer. Any particular type yeah. of undercoat you recommend using on charm bracelets? Something that goes well on sterling silver. Alfred's matte black. Alfred's matte black, always a winner. Um, and, uh, the default answer. <laughs> And Peter, have you embroidered any into your luxurious hair? Um, well, you know, I think it'd actually go quite nice. A couple of gold charms there, perfectly well. Um, not, but we're talking thinking, your actual luxurious hair, not of a jazzle type thing going on there. Uh, but. Not, not the dazzled, <laughs> yes. No. 
Well, uh, funny you should ask, but no, I won't go there. No, no, no. That's that's why that's why this is an audio only podcast, right? But, um, but, but Peter, in your in your case, Peter, you could put hairspray on and then find you made of gold. That could be. A, I did could actually manage to scare my kids by telling them I had purple hair at one point. Right. Okay. Next question: Is a washing machine or a tumble dryer better for mixing paint? Peter, we'll do it in reverse order. Which one would you staple the paint to? Staple the paint to for mixing it. Yeah, I, washing I machine or tumble dryer. Either, because, you know, I, I don't need to shake up the gold can that much. True. All right. Tamsin, what do you think? Which is which domestic implement is best for mixing paint? Um, probably the washing machine. If you go out of the two washing machine, but even better, you can actually get the, a 3D printed printed attachments to go onto onto your onto drills. Right, okay. 3D printed attachments going to a drill to mix paint. Okay, that's deep. Is that, um, is that a Dremel attachment? Bound to be a Dremel attachment. Um, Mr. Saunders, what about you? Washing machine or tumble dryer? You've been, you were the one who was using them last week. Uh, Which well, one do you my, use to mix my, your my paint? Flat, my flat is definitely not big enough for a tumble dryer. All right, so, so you're washing machine only. It would be definitely washing machine only, yeah. All right, Mr. Lee Ray Mayer, which one do you use to mix paint? Tumble dryer. Because you get the bit of vibrations. Much better vibrations. And, and Andy, what kind of vibrations happen you know, best for you? Well, if I ever tried it, I, doubt that, I suspect I wouldn't survive the vibrations. But if I had to guess, um, I'd guess a, a tumble dryer would probably be a better, better way for doing it simply because of the circular motion and mixing it all up. Fine. Okay, I think the washing machine will win it because of the wet palette. There. Yes, wet palette. There's a wet palette moment. I'm sure that's, um, that's something for later. In fact, yeah, you get, you get bubbles and soap in it, though. Peter, that, that wouldn't be good for it. Ah, consistency though. Ah, you never know. Yeah. Well, you guys do realise you're meant to put them, I take them to the outside, not put them in. <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't in the manual, Tamsin. At no yeah. point in no, the instruction no, book did it say. You know? No, you get it with the paint when I use it next. You're I getting mean, technical really. now. Yeah, right. Well, look, on that painting-based moment, I think that's definitely time to start going around the houses and asking who's been painted what. David Saunders, your your as usual painting as we speak. You're waving something up there. It, it looks like a, a man in some armour. He's got a little shield. Um, who, who's he? What's he up to? So um, the Ottomans are done as far as they will ever be done. Mm. Well, as far as they can be done. Very pleased with the results of that. And uh, I've now moved on to a Frankish army. From, oh, wow, uh, that's that's happened them. quickly. That, what those yeah, arrived this week. So that, I mean, it's basically taking advantage of their, their Kickstarter was finishing last weekend. So I thought I'd spin a quick last order in there. And I bought an absolute shed load of um, Frankish impetuous foot. In fact, I've, I've rather overdone it. Right. It was an impetuous purchase. Sorry, as a uh, war gamer, you, you can't overdo it. That's, that's just not... Starter Army, which was 64 quid which is a bargain right. in their Kickstarter. Mm. And that consists of three, six, six bags of 24 infantry. So that's 18, 18 bases, even if you do them eight to a base. You can probably do seven. You can probably do six. You're doing eight to a base. I thought maybe I wouldn't have enough. I bought an extra two bags, so I think I'm, I'm going to wind up with 24 bases of Frankish impetuous foot. 
Wow, that's that's um, way too many. That is definitely. Yeah, well, I worked out a list. I worked out a list. I thought, right, how how many can I actually squeeze in? If I have ordinary generals mm. included, unreliable. I, I think I could get up to thirty-one bases in an army. Aren't they what? Well, eight, eight points each or something? Yeah, no, no. I mean, no, it's not all impetuous. Yeah. Philip, there's some bowmen. It's a mediocre bowmen, of course. Right. Well, Dave, if, if Burton hap if Burton happens next year, and and you know, to three hundred point or three fifty point, you might be able to use it all. Well, exactly. I mean, if yeah, I mean, it's. But then I've got to paint the damn things as well. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I painted four bases up, and I'm not I'm not entirely happy with it. But I've got plenty to practice on. I suppose mm. that's true, isn't it? And what what um what else did you get in the Kickstarter? What else has been thinking about getting onto the pile? It well, can't have just been a million francs. The original Kickstarter I got to get Justinians and camels and things like that. But then I've since then I've done a Scythian army via the Kickstarter rates, which was a bargain. And then this, this is my last army from the Kickstarter. So I think they are nice models, aren't they? I, they I think they just put, paint up for someone like me who's not a great painter. I think they just take the paint very well. They're really, really nice. I mean, the war bands are very war bandy, shall I say that? They're yep. all very ugly. Nice bit of variety in most things, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm a bit more of a more static person, but I, I've, I've tried to paint some with like rugby shirts because they're Franks. Oh, excellent. With stripy jumpers. All right, so well, the men's crew, yeah. Not, so not these new micro ones, no. I'm not about the results of that, but. Um, we're, we're, you know, it's, as I said, I've got plenty of figures to base it or to practice on. And, uh, is there um, is there cavalry in that mix as well, or is it a medieval foot? So you, the starter army is sixty-four quid for six bases of infantry, one of skirmishers, and one of cavalry. So it's oh, you mean six packs rather than six bases? Six packs, yeah. Yeah, yeah sorry, yeah, it's six packs. And each more figures pack, in a pack. You can probably get um, three or four bases out of. Because uh, packs are like twenty something, isn't it? Twenty four. Yeah, more than twenty four. They're more. They're they're more like about twenty seven. Yeah, so they're, they're certainly generous for the figures, aren't they? Yeah. So okay. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm not, I mean, I won't be talking about anything else but Frankish infectious infantry for the next six months. Right. <laughs> yeah, but you said that about the Egyptians, and you said that about um, the samurai as well. I think so. You managed to chew through it quite well. But the chariots have arrived as well, so I can vary it up with the Egyptians. Oh, oh yeah, I, I saw that Fighting 15s, they've got some new, is it Hittite infantry as well? They put on Facebook that look fantastic. Very similar style to those Egyptians. Um, maybe, maybe that's another army. All right. Um, going up the page then, Simon, um, what, what have you been doing this week? Is it, did I see some more of those ancient Brits make it to the top of the pile? Yeah, so I was going to try and do some more Renaissance, but then the the war band just sort of impetuously arrived on the table, as they tend to do. So another seven bases of those have, have been painted up. So I'm, I painted up, um, uh, with all the options I had, I've painted up three bases as um, Javelmen. So they're um, using the Dave Saunders um, proprietary limited um, patent pending idea of five to a base for javelmen so it's uh, nice and obvious and then i've got the heavy foot there seven to a base so and then um i use the last of my uh, infamous decals i've used all of them now um so they're, they're all been used up and um they just need to be uh flocked but they've come up really really nice so hopefully if campaign um the 
the one that's meant to used to be uh, sorry was meant to be in Milton Keynes or the, the shopping mall that's meant to run in October and the idea is that these the goals will appear at that competition for the first time just like the idea because I played it, a practice game I think it was the idea was dropping down 12 or 14 war band and going here deal with this and then see what happens with the rest of the army so um, oh, yeah I've now got enough options to do all the war. All the war band is medium foot, heavy foot, or chariots. Fine. Yeah, that's the best way. Things you can do with the DBM army, which you then repurpose to ADLG. You have options. You have plenty of options. Good. Okay. And Tamsin, um, because obviously I I missed a week last week. Did you Did you finish the terrain? Are you Are you still on scattering? Still on on terrain. Still still on terrain. Uh, Terrain. so, so, there's this, um, so it looks like concrete. Wow, that's a really. Um, I, I would have actually said they were concrete if I didn't know. Um, so that, okay, so there's a, there's a painting story about how you manage to paint concrete that looks like concrete. Then there isn't, you know, a Vallejo concrete brush I thing. Could, that, I could share that's the next mix. to their tartan. I, I could something. share. I could share the mix. It's just a mix of different grades. They look. Right. They look really good. I like those. I like the graffiti on it. That looks very neat. Yes. I could definitely see Judge Dredd behind one of those with his lawmaster going, I am the law. He'd just be popping some of those people. Uh, so those graffiti decals are home printed ones, which I did on clear decal. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's quite cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, since then, I've printed, a, I printed off another sheet, this time on white decal paper. Hmm. Uh, which actually works a lot better, but you, the colours are much more them. vibrant. You must have to trim them really carefully. You have to be careful scoring around to minimise the amount of white surrounding. With, the, with, that, decal, with that decal paper, do you, um, have, to, you have to spray paper. varnish it? Do you spray varnish it or something? Spray varnish and then apply my, microscales i decal liquid decal medium right okay you've not tried it just with straight water slide then you you've used the decal yeah, medium as well you need, you need you need to add something over to protect the actual well if you're using if, if you print if it's an inkjet printer you need to fix the ink so you probably right. do you do need varnish for that mm. yeah, also painted up all the MDF tokens for Infamy Infamy. Oh, um, yes, you got that a couple of weeks ago, hadn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Now that looks grand. Yeah, because I, your last, your last podcast, yeah. I just got the PDF. A few days later, I got but I book Okay. And I also painted up a building. Of course. And there's always a bit of MDF building material to be yeah. done, isn't there? Look wow. at that. No, that's beautiful. I mean, that's- Tamsin, your models are almost good enough to go into a, uh, into a rules book and say, you know, here's how to play some of our games. And, you know, here's the arcade, here's a lawmaster. I could definitely see them in a rule book. Yeah, it takes a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's definitely worth it. That's, um, that's really amazing. That's yeah. really, really impressive. Good. It's yeah, painting. I, so I finished that building this afternoon and uh, started on some more some more little bits of scattered terrain that just should okay. finish tomorrow. Good. All right. Um, jumping down the, the list, Peter, what have, um, what have you been painting this week? Uh, I, so I, I saw something about Austrians. Away from Austrians. The Austrians are done or have you the just Austrians, stopped? No, they are done. Uh, I okay. have got a couple of spare things such as 
cannons and such like as spares because um, um, as part of the rules set with the um, Battle Empire, um, if you've got some of the uh, units which three pounders, you can designate it by having the guns behind. So I've just got a couple of those to do. But nope, Austrians are done. I've just got to finish off some basing and some varnishing of it. But I just haven't had the time to actually sit down and do all that. So in between, um, with various mad things going on, I actually playing a few games. Um, I've started on my Spanish. Um, feudal so Spanish. Feudal Spanish, okay. Wow. So which figure, which figures are they? Uh, Donington, uh, some Jeanettes. It's just to supplement what I've already got for that period because a lot of it already you know seeps over as it does but i picked up some jeanettes you know the uh, javelin guys the elite yeah, javelin yeah yeah um like cavalry javelin and uh, then of, yeah and then of course um you know you start looking at it and i also ordered the the flags and everything else so i thought I'd, i've just got to get some more medium knights um <laughs> so I dropped uh, Damon a line at Donington and uh, he helped me pick some out because he's actually got some Spanish knights because he does the, uh, the the military order ones because Spain mm. had its military orders. So, of course, mm. a good excuse to get some more. So I've got some of those and some some more Spanish knights so I can set them set up with the right colours for Navarre and I've got the flags for Navarre and everything else. So I can have them to sort of spice up the army to make it uh, look more like feudal Spanish. So is that like a lots of oranges and reds and things like that and yellows, or is that different? There's, there's different a colors? few because the the military orders were a bit different as well. So um, it's a whole mixture. Right. So what what kind of military orders were there in Spain? You know, because in my world, there's always the the black and white and the white and black one. Is there a, a different uh, a different they set? Have red and white. Sorry, they've got red and white. They're red. Yeah, they're sort of Saint James, the Santiago, and all that sort of thing. I think. Yeah. But they're dressed um, like the Spanish Inquisition but, sketch in um, in Monty Python, basically. Yes, yeah, definitely. yeah, basically. But when yeah, someone plays you, her. they will. The when someone plays you, they will always expect um, impetuous medium. The Spanish night, Inquisition. So it won't really uh, be a surprise. Well, it's at all. all the uh, reconquistadors and all that sort of thing. So you've got the um, the order of them. Um, so they had about half a dozen. There's some still around now. Um, but there's got some uh, nice, interesting colours and sort of background. So I'm trying to find one that's not too uh, uh, crazy. Okay. You don't want to look too far into the history of some of them. No, no, no. that's probably quite dark and dark things. Then, all right. And Andy, what about you then? What What have you been doing? Two weeks ago, you were just experimenting with drills. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I did a bit more mucking about the drill, but in, in between with that, I um, finished painting the. Um, Roman legionary pack, which I, which was part of the uh, Kickstarter uh, filler in, and uh, did the Seleucid pikemen. I'm now painting some Breton cavalry for for the Norman army, and then I ordered some more toys in the meantime, and um, I'll be starting on them when they, uh, hopefully shortly, uh, things like Carthaginian elephants, uh, hopefully because I'm thinking of doing Carthaginians for the um, uh, for warfare, mm. assuming warfare happens. So I would need at least one more elephant for that. And I got a, a Greek temple as a base and I got some Thracian peltas. And then when I was sorting out the rest of the wargaming cupboard in the weekend, I found two bags of Thracian peltas. Oh, wow. But the War, but the War and Empire ones are quite nice. They've got, they're, they're all armed with the, um, the Rompoya. And they're, they're, yeah. they're, you know, nice, nice, nice um, 
positions and poses and their pun. What's that? Yeah, the two-handed sickly type thing, you know. Yeah, oh, two-handed right. cutting weapon. Yeah. The Romans had to especially reinforce their armour to fight the Dacian rum fire. Yeah. Allegedly. And they've, so. and they've, got, they've got the old... Really weird long one that's like a Japanese sword. That's the, right, that's the one, that's oh. the wrong Yeah, that's right. It's a sword that curves up at the top and it's kind of like two-handed or one and a half hands. Yeah. Take your arm off. You found a couple of packets of those then as well after you bought yeah. some. Oh, right. That's so, right, yeah. So how many have you got now? Have you, you know, because if it's War and Empire, that's a 24 in a pack. That's quite a lot. Well, yeah, have. I bought a pack of 24 because I'm not, I'm not, don't regret having bought them because they're quite nice. But the rest of the Peltast, I think, are a mix of kind of sword and, um, uh, you know, javeliny, light Peltasty things. Yeah, um, my, my Thracians are, um, are Zeiston, which are very nice as well, but a little bit different. They're a little bit bigger than the, the War and Empire ones. And I, I spent an awful long time painting them. Um, and, and they're kind of neat, but I think I've got four bases and four bases with Romphir and, and four bases with Javelin or Javelin and Spear. Well, it's about as much as you need, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's as much as you need, unless you're going for a Thracian army. But it's you know, suddenly in, in ADLG, you're kind of going, is that is that close enough to a Thracian army that I can do that? And then do I really want to do that? But no, that's yeah, because um, somebody said to me that Thracian cavalry are apparently uh, they're a bit distinctive. I don't know what, what they've got some special style of headgear or something. Right, I think if I used the Thracian army, they wouldn't be particularly distinctive at all. They'd look a bit like no, Gallic no. ancient British cavalry, I yeah. suspect, for that to be the case. All right, okay. Um, well, look, certainly from my point of view, I've done an awful lot of painting this week. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff using some very unusual paints. There is um, Dulux exterior pure brilliant white um, in five litre tins with a kind of a three inch brush. Done done a lot of that. Done. Um, done so the complete... what? So I was saying, um, what scale are you painting? Is it this um, one to three hundred or three hundred to one? I think it's, it's you know, white Dulux. So you're doing Austrians then? Yeah, white Dulux. I could have done Austrians. I, I basically got the inside of a double garage, which is now looks like if you squint a line of Austrian infantry from the Napoleonic Wars, um, <laughs> and um, it's only breeze block. So I think it's probably about as as solid if you actually charged into it with a fully armed cavalry horse as well um, and doing that, and then. Um, the, are you going to flock? Are you going to flock it? And um, um, no, I, I think um, they, just putting putting you know any kind of um, mold type growth is an anathema to me. So um, as well as using the you know the Dulux pure brilliant white, I've been attempting to get rid of flock effect on um, on bits of um, skirting board by using using a kind of three layer technique. Um, it's not the the foundry three layer technique. It's been a, a paint called um, Zinissa BIN, which um, is a base coat that that you use to um, to keep a stain block. Um, so it's basically almost a poly poly enamel paint that um, that you put on, and then um, cover that with a couple of coats of um, Zinissa white anti stain paint as well to really um, seal up some some areas and leave them with a perfectly you know matte white finish, great for undercoating. But nothing's then, getting. The name of that thing sounds a bit like the sort of stuff you'd use for nerve gas. I think it might well be. I, I suspect there's a, a common history in it, but it's kind of extremely, um, allegedly extremely effective. It's the kind of thing you look on Amazon and and on other kind of building and painter sites, and and people kind of who appear to know what they're doing go, "This is the stuff that works. Don't buy anything else." So I will find out in another few weeks whether it has actually worked. And then, then I did that other thing that you always do with painting when you start like a big, big project, which was 
the floor of um, a garage, which I was trying to paint with them. Um, you, you never quite do the preparation quickly enough because you're in a bit of a hurry. So you start by painting it and then with the second coat, you only get halfway across before you run out. And then you go to the local <laughs> store and find that they don't have another tin and um, you're going to have to order it by mail order from Amazon. So I've got a half painted dark gray garage floor, um, which is, um, which is going to be another project next time I go down there as well. But, but definitely I can really recommend, um, you know, a probably about an eight or nine inch roller um, really is quite effective for, um, for getting those small details. I think you probably need quite a strong wash to pick out the, um, the real subtlety after it, but, but in terms of getting coverage on um, on a on a garage floor, I think it's an absolutely superb superb piece of brushmanship on, on that one. Uh, to be honest, I think some of the <coughs> I'm looking at some of the pro painted mm. figures on sale on eBay. I think they discovered they might have discovered that technique before you. Yeah, I think there is actually. That's one of my um one of the things I do do every now and then is look on eBay to see what is mm. the least the least good value figure. On eBay, I think this week, other than a couple which just recur forever, um, this week I think I saw two of the the fifteen mil dot UK, you know, the old tabletop games ranges. There were two mounted Roman standard bearers of fifteen mil cavalry, you know, and they're okay, but they're they're a very old range, and they've been painted Ooh. and gloss varnished like like toy soldiers of days of yore, and I think someone was asking something like six quid plus four quid postage. And again, that's five ahead for figures which are available currently for 35B. Um, and, and, and you would have to strip them down. They're almost useless. But but it's, you know, some people don't quite know the value of what they're doing. But but I'm not going to be putting any any garage floors or garage walls on eBay anytime soon. And Because um, um, the shipping alone is quite, hard, uh, quite expensive to get a really whole garage. Awkward. Yeah, the shipping would be really quite awkward. I've got something coming from eBay, a nice little Dremel. Oh, you Dremeled hey. up. You've Dremeled yourself yep. up. So yep. which, which Dremel did you buy, Peter? The Dremel 8000, 8220. The eight, I think mine's only a four. What, what, is there Dremel, oh, no. Dremel inflation? Just, just got to get with the Dremel scaling, you know. So what, um, what was it about the 8200 that, um, that first attracted you? Um, it was cordless. Um, and then uh, Andy told me about variable speeds. Um, and then Dave started showing his off. And I was like, well, you know, why get an eight when you, why get a four when you can get an eight? Cordless, so, wow. Uh, and then you start looking at the accessories. And I had to sort of like pull myself back a bit after finding the accessories. Uh, you know, at the start when you were saying about how to mix paint, I'm sure it could do mm. that, um, yeah. including made coffee maker and everything else. It was like, the, you start going through the accessories list and it starts getting a little bit crazy. So I'll settle for a, another bit, a chuck mm. bit and some uh, drills for now. But I know some people, such as you, Tim, were yeah. saying about, uh, uh, and uh, Simon was saying about a whole workbench. Yeah, the whole magic uppy downy lever thing is just wonderful. Yeah. It really yeah. is yeah. for the, the See, six I, times I've, I've used it. Yeah. No, every, yeah, but, every now and then I go, uh, I think it's... Um, uh, being your home base, they occasionally have that on special. And you walk past and going, I don't really need it, but oh. <laughs> I must... well, it's just just because 
Um, you can put the, you put the drill on the top and then you can um, bench press it down. So yeah, it just goes completely um, straight down. So you can hold the thing that you I've were drilling a hole into. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you see, the, the, the one accessory that really got me was the chainsaw sharpener. Yeah. <laughs> well, for, for your, your other career as a juggler. Is it? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I just yeah. thought, it, it's, you know, for the apocalypse, it would be perfect. That's true, actually. Yeah, the coughing apocalypse that we're all um, all diving headfirst into. Okay, well, look, that's that's this week's painting um, over. This means war. This means war. So I think after we've done the painting um, and talking about what figures that we're going to put on the table. Um, we normally have a quick run round and look at what figures have either put on the real or now the virtual table as well. So, Andy, you're normally um, king of virtual gaming, I think, in, in this group at the moment, the, the most active active one who's able to get away with doing this. What's your your week on tabletop simulator been like this week? Um, one win, one loss. I paid Dave on Tuesday and we were doing the Persians, which I... Because what we did last week, as you don't know if you picked up on yet, was... Um, Simon and I were talking about a Persian list, having, you know, random.org it the week before. So we actually made up the army list and had a game with it. And then Dave, I, I used that army for, for, for um, a game with Dave uh, on Tuesday against, what were you using, Dave? There were Scythians Scythians. involved, right? Scythians. Scythians with, with a Thracian ally. And yeah. um, I, I, I went down in flames. I mean, I, th I think I took 23 out of 26 year army on the way, but um, Dave, Dave, Dave won that one. All right. And so then, was that a dice-based thing, or is it just Dave being much more skillful than you, or how did it all pan out? No skill. Of course. No skill, yeah. Uh, and an army which I nicked off one of the Italian, well, a guy from Trieste, it was his army. It was the first, it, when we went to Rome, it was the first game in, I played in Rome, mm. and I was using Alexandrian, and my um, uh, Indian ally threw a one on the first go. And then oh, his, right. his, his flank march of six Scythian medium cavalry came on, in the second go, so I thought. Oh dear! Oh, so you you were the barber quickly. I'll write his list down and I'll paint that at some point. He, he yeah. paints the War and Empire. It's a really beautiful army, and um, I, I liked it. It's a good army. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Then then um, the following night Wednesday, I'm playing um, Dave Ray from America. We now got a kind of weekly game going, and uh, I was using Ordnance French. He was using Burgundian Ordnance, and um, I won that one. Excellent. Was that yeah, well an ordinance off? Was your, your French better than the Burgundians for a reason? Or, um, yeah, I, got, I, I don't think it was hugely lucky on the dice, but I mean, I, I, I've got a way of playing with an, with, a Burgund, with an ordinance French army now, which seems to work for me. And it basically involves being the defender and hoping you get a hill or a field to park your infantry on or in. And uh, that, that seems to work reasonably well. Um, it's got an allied corps, which depending on who I'm fighting, will either be mounted or dismounted, and a, and a bunch of elite knights. And um, okay. uh, we... we well, well, I think it's good if you've got an army that you can play successfully defensively, you know, because that means that there's some some flexibility in in the play style, because I, uh, it's very tempting always to try and go forwards and, and push forwards. But, but I think that self-discipline of, of trying to draw the enemy onto you or something and, and do that properly is still quite quite an interesting... Or a different way of playing sometimes. Well, the week before, I used that army um, to beat a Hungarian army, and, and last week it was it was against uh, Burgundian ordnance. So it works against 
foot, it has worked against foot mounted armies. I'm sure other people will beat me from time to time, but I'm, I'm happy that it's got reasonable flexibility even on a one, a one list competition. Yeah. All right. Well, Dave, talking of people who beat Andy, it sounds like you beat Andy then um, this yeah. week. Yeah, how, how did that go? What's, what's your version of that story? Um, it, was a, it was a bit of a shooty-shooty. Akai Menid versus Sillian. It was a nice, proper historical game. Andy defended, which stopped me going into the steps and defending myself. Um, I used the Thracian ally, um, the Plains Thracian ally, which is a okay. nice set, a, 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 a unit, of, a, well, a group of four javelin men. One wow, light, that's unusual. Sorry, two light horse, four javelin men, and one light foot elite. And mm. um, that's a really nice little command, those. So what, what did that do? Did it just run into terrain and, and mess around? No, or... it, it came down the centre of the table, took out his war wagon. Never, you never took out the war wagon. <laughs> <laughs> Threatened the war wagon enough. It, it held up. Seen, the Thracians were running out in the middle trying to keep away from my Sparabara. Yeah, I mean, but that, it, it tied down all your, uh, those four javelin men tied down all your immortals and stuff like that. Yeah, I should have been a bit more assertive with, with, with my infantry centre. If I had, it might have been a different game, but, you know, I hope it didn't happen. You know. those mediocre camels right the way down the middle of the table to get murdered. So, has oh, your, yeah, um, but... so Dave, has your Apple Mac um, basis, that... have you managed to work out the, the left and right clicking and things like that to get the hang of that now? Well, no, now you mention it, I think it's giving me RSI. <laughs> or tennis elbow at the very least. That might be all the painting you're doing. Yeah, it might be all the painting. It might be those samurai. Gaming. I'm pretty sure it's the gaming. Right. Um, <laughs> um, my flatmate's threatening to move flat and she might be taking the mouse with her, so I might have to buy my own one or something. No, you might actually no, have to buy a real mouse. The TTS is good. I'm, I'm getting there, and I just need to find some more opponents now. Mm. Well, I think this week looks well, it looks a bit grey outside at the moment, so maybe it's a better game, better, better week for online gaming then. Um, yeah. Not quite as good for drying the paint and stuff outside. Okay, um, Simon, did you um, did you get an online game at all this week or? Uh, no, I got a game on this week. Oh, sorry, last week with our friend Tommy from Ireland. Oh, cool. Okay. So, oh, fantastic. Yeah, so he reached out and said g'day, um, and we had a game. So we didn't do it via tabletop. We did it the old-fashioned hmm. way. He um, jealously showed off his um, garage slash wargaming room. Wow. And we, we had a um, – so he had the, all the miniatures on his game uh, gaming table, and we just pushed them around from there. So he had um, caroling in Frankish, and I brought uh, feudal Spanish. And so it was a mass of – Petrus Cavalry versus Impact Cavalry and uh, Dross Foot, and we managed to get a mutual destruction. So, um, oh, fantastic! Yeah, I got his baggage. He broke me. It was a thing of true beauty. Um, the only thing in the entire army that didn't get into combat was my levy. Wow! <laughs> wow. So, and I think both I armies just, um... were twenty-four, twenty-four odd, sorry, twenty-four odd elements each. So um, they were big armies. That's a lot of losses then, because I think I've um, I've snuck in a few Carolingians from the tail end of Dave's Kickstarter after yeah. having painted up those four units of of bow armed cavalry a couple of weeks ago, and then thinking, yeah, I might as well buy the whole other 20, 30 elements, you know, twenty elements to make it a proper army. 
So I think I've got some coming. But did you? How does that actually pan out as an army? Is it because it's a mix of impetuous and impact and some elite and some guard and all sorts of things, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so those forwards, but um, yeah. So um, Tommy's uh, composition was he had a um, he had a Breton ally on one side, which was um, impact cavalry and lots of um, lots of spearmen. Mm. Plus a few um, random other foot, very little the way of shooting, but he did have a lot of um, scary mounted. He had uh, on one, the other flank, he had his very large and very scary Carolinian Frankish, the guard um, cavalry, which was about six or eight wide of heavy cavalry elite uh, facing me with a, with a strategist. Wow. And it's like, yeah, it's coming at terrifying. you. Yep. And then in the middle, he had um, eight or so um, spear, regu- um, you know, just normal spear, who walked up the line on the table and said, g'day. Yeah. So um, just and my mad impetuous all went, spontaneous, and off we went. Yeah. Oh, wow. so, um, exactly. It was good fun. We had um, you know, cavalry going to They don't have flanks. to charge heavy foot, do they, Simon? There's have to versus want to. There yeah. is, Fair <laughs> enough. Okay. You've got to give it a go. Um, yeah, so, um, you know, we had spearmen charging cavalry, cavalry breaking off, the impetuous cavalry managing to break through, bursting through, then getting charged in the flank. There was body parts going everywhere. It was a really, really good game of two armies that were equally matched from drossness level, and both of us had a bit of, you know, luck here and there. And um, uh, it was fun to play with an army that wasn't, yeah, knight, impact, elite, heavily armoured, or an elephant. It's we've all got a plus one. Let's yeah. see what else we can do now, and just, just see what else we do. Really yeah. dance around. So I had bo- um, trying the idea of bowmen sneaking out and taking a pot shot and then running away. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they could shoot, a cavalry could charge them. So medium, yeah. um, mediocre cavalry were actually quite useful because they started hunting bowmen down. Going well, I'm plus two in the in the first phase. Yeah. I'll give it a go. Give it a go. Try and run them down. Wow. Okay. It's good fun. Yeah. Tamsin, did you um did you put any judge trade figures on table, or has it just been painting Not this yet. week? Not yet. Not yet. It's just been painting. All oh, right. Okay. Um, painting and painting an MDF assembly. That's it. Yeah. Okay. A bit of decor. And Peter, what about you? What have you managed to um take on any any small children or anybody online? Uh, I did. I uh, took on uh, my youngest, Nick. Um, in, um, I was trying out feudal Spanish and he had decided he wanted to try something with heavy infantry. So he took Vikings. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was quite an interesting one because, um, going up where you've got, you know, some medium knights and a few other, uh, Almogavars and things to a wall of, uh, Vikings with two handed choppy elites and, um, one hander heavy infantry and such like, uh, it was quite interesting. First one ended up. Uh, would have been a draw if we kind of run out of time uh, trying out different things and getting ourselves back into it um, the second one I won uh, for the simple fact I ran away from right. his biggest bunch of two-handed choppies um, so I, I managed to basically escape them and focus down he, he uh, did a, a learning exercise of uh, medium foot uh, what happens when they meet a bunch of uh, um, impact knights yeah I, I imagine um, that's a lesson you learn the once quite quickly uh, yeah it was pretty good pretty good yeah. from that aspect um so we're looking forward to a rematch um where he's uh, going to deploy various fiendish plans on me and everything else about mm. how he's gonna uh, get his own back and 
uh, true to him. Normally he does, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> he learns uh, quickly. That's good. Yeah, yeah. You're going to give I, him Spanish to play with? Why? They're mine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I yeah. can see that coming. I can, I can smell that coming. Yeah. Now, yeah. So, remember, Peter, it's offer. only a game unless you're playing your offspring. Yeah. yeah. In which case I, it's I war. The offer of um, turn it around so we can alternate armies, but he likes the idea of trying to make a whole bunch of heavy infantry work. So he's got uh, various plans in mind for me on that and how he's going to take me down. So uh, knowing him, he usually comes up with something suitably fiendish. Yeah, I must admit, I've, I've used. I think in a competition once I used um, Russ with a quite big Viking ally to give, you know, then you get a load of spears and supported spears, but then there's a cutting edge of the, the Viking axemen and stuff like that to sit in the middle, but which just makes you a bit more resilient against cavalry. And you can just trade off the, the hundreds of hit points that an all heavy infantry army does have um, against time and, and just pushing through forwards. But I wonder if you, you're all Vikings, you're suddenly a little bit more vulnerable to to being charged by cavalry without that that spearman bit to to stop you. Yeah, it's it, oh, on the first game. It was the two-handed choppy that really came into it because yeah. um, you know if they win the first round, you've got the plus one on top. It mitigates yeah. the arm, and straight away you're on three points down to two or even one um, compared to heavy infantry with four. So you know it really starts to make a difference. Okay, interesting. Well, I think this this week for me, I've I've had a couple of um, successful engagements against a cream tea. Um, that was that was very very successful. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very much um, I managed to get the jam in first before the the clotted cream, uh, which is you know some people think that's not a valid tactic, but but I found it very very effective for demolishing the scones, um, which was really useful. And then three different engagements um, in which fish and chips came off much much worse um as, as well which has been so it's, it's been quite a successful week for me in in terms of taking those things on and um you know in in a town that's that's famous for pirates and also famous for a bit of renaissance where um william of orange landed and where oh. also the part of the d-day invasion fleet departed from as well so so there's been a bit of gaming bit of history but but mostly just taking on cream teas and fish and chips with with quite a notable degree of success. That's so, got to be done. Uh, do, do I take it from that you're basically looking at three, if not four, different armies then to add to your collection? So you've got Renaissance, right. you've got World War Two. Uh, with the fish, I'm saying it's some like must be French Napoleonics for the invasion of Fishguard. Got to got to be. I, I can hear it coming through. And with the pirates, yeah, it could be Colin Shawlers for 1972 against the, the Icelandic. Yeah. It could be the Cod Wars. Yeah. I, actually, no, I think there is um there is I'm I'm trying to remember back in back in the day when um before all of you were born, um when we used to go to the competition in Bath, which was quite quite legendary, and get completely stocious. We'd go down in the morning and start drinking on the Friday morning. Um so by Friday evening it was just a bit of a mess. And I think there's one point at which we were you trying to name um dbm armies which is effectively the same as as adlg armies really um that had a fish theme um so but I, I'm, I'm just trying to remember what some of them might have been um uh, abba squids that was one of them um, and, and it was just sorry what was that dave Frankfish. 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 yes later Frankfish. things like that early Frankfish. Yeah. early Frankfish. middle Frankfish. 
there's quite a lot of them there. Um, so there, there are more of them. But they are the I Mongols. Think. They're the scourge of cod. Yes, the scourge of cod. Yes, it it, it all does work. Um, but but yes, yeah, so some cod based things. But I think I had been trying to discuss what to do, what to start painting next week. Um, but that's that's another section later in the podcast. This means war. So having talked about what we played and what we painted, we now dive back in history to the world of um, Sean Bean swearing. Although I think we might have done that because because I'm trying to rack my brains back a couple of um, couple of weeks when we we did the Spanish thing for the American, not the American Civil War, the Napoleonic Wars, and um, and I think Napoleon ended up back in Europe as we we dive into the next episode of um, teaching Timmy about Napoleon. You're um you're you're kind of the king tutor here at the moment. We haven't got Adam to um to interrupt this week, which which no, I do need a... Dave though to say, Andy, I think you've missed something. So right. got... okay, that's now an official part of this. Then this is the catchphrase, well, Andy. I think you've missed. It just something. keeps me honest and um, helps yeah. me from. from uh, am I, am I right in thinking we'd done the we'd done the Spanish bit, which was a bit of a sideshow, and there's a bit of a hokey cokey, and then Napoleon's gone down there, not sorted it out, come back, uh, and the then. Then they're somewhere around in in Europe, and they've no, still no, not done the Russian thing yet. No, because no, the Austrians asked for a mulligan, basically. Right. We need to skip back a few years to like to cover the Central European campaigns. Eighteen oh nine. Yeah, eighteen oh nine. So this is something happening at the same time as nothing really that important or decisive was happening in Spain. Is this right? Well, Napoleon was trying to sort of finish off what was going on in Spain, and then the Austrians got uppity and invaded. Bavaria, which was an ally of um, Napoleon. Now, sort of excuse Germany. me for interrupting this early, but hasn't he beaten the Austrians before? Yeah. Yeah, um, fine. I haven't missed something. Yeah. I'm not getting deja vu there or something. Right. It's, yeah. it's a bit like, you know, when you go into your war games cover and you go, oh, I didn't know I had all those there as well. Yeah. Um, the Austrians are like that. They, they just come back with yet more. <laughs> right. Okay. So, so the Austrians are invading Bavaria, which is reasonable because it is right next to Austria. Um, and it, that's right, it's, and it's got beer. And it's, but it's nothing really to do with the French, is it? Yeah, they have, well, yes, the Bavaria is part of the Confederation of the Rhine and the Napoleon's allies. Ah, oh, okay. Um, the Germans are allied with, some of the Germans are allied with Napoleon. Yeah, most of them are, yeah. And, and Napoleon is down in Spain at the time. So the Austrians... The, not necessarily willingly allied. I was going to right. say the ones he's beaten, basically. Uh, well, no, okay. they, they, the Bavarians did actually do quite well out of it. They kept they got bits of territory added to them, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this but is anyway, actually like rapid, rapid Vienna trying for an away game against Bayern Munich, and yeah, um, and PSG it. come and help them, allied to Real Madrid or something, because the Spain yeah, bits cool. going on or something. Well, they're fighting. Well, I mean, PSG are taking on Real Madrid at the same time. But, Fine. Um, okay. Right. But they've got uh, a lot so, of money. So, it's all good. Yeah. Um, I'm not quite sure the shirt colours quite match, but I'll, I'll, no. you know, somebody can c- confirm that to me somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, blue, blue and white so, flag. Aus- large, large water Austrians descend into Bavaria, and the guy in charge at the time in Bavaria 
is Marshal Berthier, Napoleon's chief of staff. And it becomes apparent that he's very good at transmitting Napoleon's orders, but coming up with his own plans and deciding what to do is not his forte. But given, and, you know, given Napoleon might be the greatest general in history, that's probably quite a good skill set, isn't it? Up to a yeah, point. but indeed, yeah, but but it, it it's um he wasn't cut out for independent command, but that didn't really become apparent until this campaign. Okay. Luckily, he's got Davu there, who's arguably even more capable than Napoleon. But Davu manages with his corps to put a break on the Austrian advance until Napoleon gets there with the reinforcements. And you've got stuff like um, that must have that must have really you know if the Austrians are going, Napoleon's not here. This is our go number five. Oh. We stuck. Didn't didn't they just like lose heart when in, they heard he was coming or something? Um, or well, the French didn't actually broadcast it. I mean, you know, they, oh. they're just marching through the the woods, and you know, these Frenchmen turn up and they've got to fight them. And the French seem right. to fight better than they do, and um, you know, better better organised. I mean, no, Davout really did have the um, best corps in the French army. Right. Okay. So there's Davout and some other bloke called Berthier, and yeah. they're beating up the Austrians because Davout's better than Berthier. And then Napoleon arrives anyway, just to really yeah, put yeah, mob handed with a with a huge bunch of guys, including the guard. Okay, and then the Austrian and after a couple of battles, the Austrians are now in you know hitting reverse gear and heading off backwards. Mm. And this was the situation I told you about a few weeks ago, where one Austrian corps took a week to advance sixty three miles, but when they were retreating, they covered the same distance in two days. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> well maybe the trains were running more efficiently that time, or something like that. That could be it, um, possibly. So, so the Austrians are retreating to Austria again, and what yep. normally happens, from my you know, now expert memory, means the the Russians have arrived through Hungary and Switzerland, which aren't really countries. Does that happen this time? No, the, the Russians no. Are, are, are having a fight with the Poles. With the Poles, okay. Yeah. Are the Poles yeah, involved in the Napoleonic like Wars? Yeah, yeah they're they're kind of friends of Napoleon. He's he's oh, from right. he's, he's promised to support them and offer them. Uh, you know, independence from Russia. So they're, 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 they're keen on that. Yeah. Yeah. They always have. So, to really. um, yeah. Well, at, at this point, 1809, you've got, like, before that, Poland had been split between Prussia, Austria, and Russia. But after the Poland early. near campaign, Austria. No? All right, maybe. Poland yeah. had been, you had the independent state, the Grand Duchy of Warsaw created out of most of that. Hmm. previously tripartite-owned Polish territory. Hmm. There are bits of Poland that are still in Russia, bits that are still in Austria. So how can they be on anybody's side if they're all split into three then? Um, well, they, they make great lances and they're, they're all over the place with lances. So you can get, have them in the Polish army, the French army, um, all Austrian over army. the place. Yeah. Okay. The Russian, the Russian army had, had Polish, Polish, Polish lances. A lot Very of good. disaffected peoples around Europe joined Napoleon's army. So mm. you had, um, you know, Napoleon's army had a large consistency of Dutch, okay. German, Irish, Poles, Irish, um, people who hated the English particularly. <laughs> yeah. And the other... No, it was mostly Europe. Yeah. Yeah, anybody who was anti-kings and things like that. So... And I think the Polish are sort of like down that sort of line because they're trying to become their own state. Okay, so the Poles, so so Napoleon's somewhere in Bavaria beating up the Austrians again, which is probably going to take him about 10, 15 minutes. He'd probably stop for lunch. There might be a new culinary. Uh, was, was there a new culinary invention? No, 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 the, no it wasn't the a push-over this time. The, the Austrians yeah, had battles. Yeah, he, 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 
the Austrians back off through Vienna and Napoleon chases them through Vienna. Then mm. they get to the far side of the Danube and Napoleon's kind of stuck because the Austrians are on the far side of the Danube and he can't quite get at them because of the time of year it is. This is April, May time and it's the rivers are full of spades. Yeah. So he manages to get to a river, a, 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 an island called Lobau in the middle of the Danube. And then he chucks a few bridges across and heads over. Now, before this battle, the, he sends his cavalry out to scout how many Austrians are around, and they report back there's about 5,000. In fact, there's about 105,000. Oh, careless. Slightly yeah. sloppy. Yeah, should have gone to Specsavers. So, yeah. um, the, um, so, so Napoleon guys are coming across the bridge, forming a bridgehead, and all of a sudden they're up to their armpits in Austrians trying to kick them out. Um, okay. Just to make life more interesting, some more Austrians further up the river have let loose barges filled with bricks and stones and rocks and stuff. And with the river being in spate, these things are crashing, literally going along at a rate of knots and smashing into the, the pontoon bridges and breaking right. them. So okay. whenever Napoleon's army is about to do something useful, the bridges break and they run out of ammunition or cavalry can't get across or something like that. So at the end of two days of battle, the French heroically hold off the Austrians but have to retreat back onto Lobau Island. Mm. And that was actually the first battlefield defeat for Napoleon as emperor. The first time he demonstrably Yay. failed to hold the battlefield afterwards. Even though he's been beaten by a load of barges full of bricks. <coughs> his but, domination of the battlefield, his, his tactical domination, his, his tactical cause has been, basically the Austrians have learned how to fight Napoleon. And they've okay. learned, you know, like, they've stopped the cavalry skirmishing around so he knows what's going on. They've stopped him concentrating his core system. And at this point, the losses and the battles get bloodier and bloodier and bloodier. So this is that American Civil War kind of moment when, yes, when the unions start getting, getting their industrial machine together, but this time it's the Austrians. Yeah, yeah kind of, yeah. Okay. And um, Marshall, Marshall Land gets killed, and that's, um, he was a personal friend of Napoleon. Napoleon got very upset about that. Yes, he's probably the best general. Okay, as well as Davout, maybe. So Napoleon's kind of got accidentally ground into the dust by the, by the um, Austrians throwing brick-laden barges at him. Um, yeah. And then... And this is a battle called uh, Aspernessling. Aspernessling, which is probably kind of difficult to recreate um, on the war games table unless you've got a very big river and some rules for barges hitting bridges, which most Napoleonic rule sets don't really have much of, I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just call them elephants. Just call them elephants, yeah. We'll use the elephant rules from um, ATLG. That'll be fine. Um, yeah. so, so Napoleon's sort of on the wrong side of the Danube with, with an army that's got wet feet. And, um, yeah. and the Poles are kind of kicking off in Poland because the Russians are giving him a bit of a rub around. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm kind of anticipating that there's some sort of lurch towards Russia at this point. But, but it well, not quite. No, so, so what happens is Napoleon okay. comes back for round two against the Austrians. This time he gets his act together builds a number of bridges, makes sure that he, by now the river isn't in spate because it's now the summertime, mm. and he crosses over with about 180,000 troops, and the Austrians have got about 150,000. There's a massive battle called Wagram, and at the end of that battle, uh, the Austrians are beaten, and ultimately there's a peace treaty. Because that always happens, that and is, then Napoleon yeah. retreats, and the Austrians keep all yeah. their territory, and then the but British pay somebody it to do it. Grenzers, though. And Wagram is very, very bloody. 
Right. Yeah. And and also he um uh he says to the Austrians, um, Josephine has not given me any kids. You must have a nice white pair, princess, we'll have one of them. And um that's basically what happens. So he marries the uh daughter of the Austrian emperor and um ultimately it's gives strange. she gives them a son. You'd have thought, you know, that if he's going all that medieval stuff, does that mean he's becoming a bit more kind of emperor kingy sort of yeah, stuff? Even definitely, he's, yeah, he's, he's that's a pretty kingy uh, sort of thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, the European yeah. toffs have realised they can't beat him, so they're trying to make him one of their own. So they're trying to marry their daughters off to him instead, basically, and turn him into you know get take the revolutionary bit out of it and turn him so into does, one of the themselves. So does that mean that island in the middle of the Danube is basically like a Napoleonic love island with, with that Georgie bloke doing the commentary when, when the European kings are parading their daughters to him? In, no, 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 not, no, it didn't happen. This is afterwards, but... Um, that's afterwards, okay, right. The island is called Lobau, L-O-B-A-U, and one of Napoleon's generals was made a Count of Lobau. So that's more like um, Take Me Out with Paddy McGuinness then, isn't it? And, uh, you know, when they say we're instead of we're off to Fernando's, we're off to the Isle of Lobau, possibly. That's, that could be it, really. That, that sounds good with us. And they were wearing Austrian uniform. No, no, I'll stop this. This isn't yeah, really going yeah. anywhere at all. No, yeah. Yeah, there, there might be a headgear issue. I'm not sure. I know at some stage the Austrian infantry moved from having helmets to shackles, but I'm not sure whether yeah. that was. It, it was about then. They, they started Thanks, moving people. over just about then uh, to the shackles. Plus the they, they decided to... Uh, their battalions to um, just like we, we'll um, try and outdo the French by making our battalions twice as large, uh, effectively. And um, even less yeah, maneuverable. That's yeah. Subtle, subtle, good. All right. So Napoleon's right. kind of now got married to some Austrian prince's daughter or something. Um, Called Mary Louise. Mary Louise, and he's now back in Paris, um, squiring yep. sons, and yep. um, presumably what his brother, his uncle, his cousin, his you know tailor matchstick maker all running country in that kind of egalitarian way that he's so big of and um yep. and the poles are still having a kind of dust up with the russians just around the corner well that's kind of tailed off a bit but then by, by yeah. 1812 um the russians have decided they're not interested in the continental system that's tried to shut it shut british goods out of the continent and napoleon decides right we really got to go into russia and uh, sort these people out was someone so making he, overtures to him to suggest that? Uh, I, yeah. but I think the Russian campaign is probably... Yeah, that's probably a thing. This week. I think it probably, you know, I, even I know nothing about it. I suspect that's probably a thing. I'm just trying to work yeah. out. So what, so what tempted him to do this thing that other people always thought was daft? Or, or was he the first person to try something that was just daft? Because this whole um, Russia invading thing... What, invading um, Russia over land... Yeah, because you know, there's a bit from 1809 and the island. How did he get tempted only, to invade the Russians? The only success by time that Russia has been successfully invaded in the past by land was by the Mongols. Yeah. Uh, they came from the other And that was actually just a, reconnais a large rec reconnaissance yeah. force. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of force. Yeah, quite a lot. <laughs> like Afghanistan and super die. Yeah, but what? Yeah. But you know, but getting to this point at which Napoleon's on the start line, and if we leave the start line till next week, so getting him, you know, politically, psychologically to the point of look, we've got to invade Russia. 
Andy, you said something about the continental system and yeah. If you remember trade. the reason, he, yeah. If you remember the this was this was Brexit in reverse. The continental British system Belgium. was trying to shut British goods out of Europe, so okay. that Britain would suffer economic problems and then try mm. and make a deal with France and behave themselves. Right. And okay. um, you know that's why he went into that's the main reason he went into Spain or one main reason he went into Spain to begin with. To stop um, trading with and, the Brits through Portugal. Yeah. Right. Okay. And then um, the Russians after eighteen oh seven and the Treaty on the Raft, they agreed to sign up to this but by 1811 they weren't very happy with this anymore and started trading with the british and letting british ah, goods come in so basically there's a there's a vodka versus um you know ye english ale um trade going on trees and the pony's a bit knocked yeah and, and and selling the trees to build navy ships and things there's a whole yeah. baltic trading zone going on yeah they, um, they, it was perfect well. for the uh, ships for the masts yeah. Right. Okay. So, it, so it, it's reverse Brexit trading through between Russia and the UK through Sweden. Yes. Is really what kind of kicked all this off. Fantastic. Look, I think that's got us to, um, yeah, reverse vodka Brexit. What's what's not to like about it? Um, but after after doing our Napoleonic Wars section, I think it's definitely time to move seamlessly back in time, many almost possibly thousand um, years or so. To no, not no, we're not going back to the Persians. That's last week. I'm getting confused. So let's not go back to that. Let's go back a couple of hundred years to to the world of France. We stick in France, in fact. Let's stick in France and go back and look at the army lists of of the famous um, French ordnance list number two thirty four in the AGLG okay. book, which is a proper heavy metal, full fat, all the toys, um, clever little knights, all the rest of it. Lots of interesting. Yeah, there's stuff. no elephants. There's no elephants, but you know nobody's perfect, as they say. And um, to have a look at what what armies we've got to to look at the French ordnance now. I understand we've got um, Peter and Andy this week um, looking at looking at French ordnance now. So I'll just throw up Andy's army on screen. And Andy, if you can talk us through how this army is put together of um, Gaston de Loup, Jean Thomas de Pravity, and and the other one. Um, you better pronounce that one. Oh, Imolium so, Ondatelli. Imolium Ondatelli. Oh dear. Um, so so talk us through how you've um, you've constructed this. Right, okay. Uh, the French ordnance list, you, you have to have at least, I think it's four, ordnance knights. Um, you know, heavy knights, elite. And uh, you also have to have two uh, ordnance archers, uh, which in most cases have to be longbow men, although you can sometimes, in certain periods, change them into medium cavalry if you want. Um, and they, the, the, the knights can only be fielded as dismounted unless these elephants to war wagons and stuff uh, before 1466 so i want I've, I've worked out that with this army you can actually make an army which has got um one core of your heavy knights and that's basically all it's got but i've i've, I've added a lot a, a longbow to it to you know entertain and shoot up and fire support and stuff um the Italian Savoy men-at-arms is a non-elite impact knight, uh, which adds, so you've got a, a, a fighting row of five 
knights. Yeah, and a light once, once you've got foot. four elite knights, having one ordinary one is, you know, it just gives you width, isn't it? You're going to be able to support yeah. them with the elites. That's a bit Indeed. of a And, the, bonus, and yeah. the light cavalry crossbow can do the same. Yeah. Um, then the um, first corps, uh, which has got the ordinary commander, um, has got a mixture of shooty and um, hand-to-hand people. It's got two ordinary heavy sword, two-handed weapons, and an elite a Swiss cross, elite Swiss pikeman. That's two ordinary pokey. longbows, um, a mediocre uh, crossbow, and a light cavalry, a light infantry crossbow. And that can sit in terrain or ideally on a hill and it can shoot and keep people at bay and put in a bit of fire support to bother people. But it's got three fighter units if you need to um, get stuck in. If things were absolutely desperate, I could put them into a field to do some fighting. The, the um, swords would be down one. But if I'm fighting against, for example, spearmen or something, then I, I don't do that. But my preference is to keep away from uh, terrain where the foot's going to need to fight because most medieval armies you know western medieval armies don't have much medium uh, terrain troops so try and keep away from terrain if i can you can keep that and the third corps is um an italian condottieri allied corps and what i like about that is i take them as mounted but i can whatever whether there's elephants or anything or not i can dismount them so if i'm facing an army which is primarily mounted I've got three knights to add to the um, French knight corps. And if I'm facing a primarily infantry army, I can dismount the guys and uh, their um, foot knights. Okay. So you've effectively got six heavy infantry, if you wish, if you, if you get those um, three, three heavy knight impact off their, um, off their off horses, the horses, which, yeah, that's, which right. ties up yeah. that's pretty, pretty solid. Um, and I guess the heavy knight impact, they dismount as what, fully armoured as well? Yeah, they, 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 dismount, they, they dismount as heavily armoured um, two-handed weapon uh, foot knights. And then you've and got the textbook um, medium cavalry impact in there to, to give you just a little bit of extra punch, but, but kind of cheap to pop. Well, yeah, well you have to have, you have, to have um, with the um, Venetian option of the uh, Condottieri list, you have to have one unit of Stratiots, which you can take as medium cavalry impact or light cavalry javelin. Okay. And um, and then you've just got one. There's only one light infantry there that I presume usually his job is to screen the knights. But you just assume no. His, the well, his job gonna... primarily is to, is to screen the medium cavalry. But oh, right. in the early okay. part, in the early part of the game, you put him as an outlier to hopefully trigger the enemy if they to make it difficult for them to come near. I mean, the hmm. plan with that core is stick it in the middle of the battlefield with the camp behind it. So the enemy, it's very hard for the enemy to completely ignore it. And so if it does go. Um, hesitant then hopefully it won't be going hesitant for long yeah so this is kind of a 10 or 12 wide combat with with a few more shooty people as well um in in this one and you're trying to get people on a you know is there any particular terrain you'd always be want you know would you be wanting to try and clutter up one side and assume that that medieval armies can't go through terrain um or... I think it depends what i'm up against when i was playing against a hungarian army um last week and I would try to put down as many fields as I can because yeah. they've got a lot of stuff which is on horses and therefore they're really not, you want to clutter up the battlefield for them. Yeah, suddenly your longbowmen and um, crossbows become really effective in that, don't they? Yeah, well, in, in, in my game against the Hungarians last week, these guys stood in the field and shot, shot um, three enemy cavalry to bits. And the enemy cavalry cleared off and then we followed them and shot them down anyway. Yeah, can't do anything about it. Wow. 
Okay, interesting. Anybody else got any other comments on it at this early stage? Um, Saunders, you've used this. Simon, you've used this list as well, I think. I think, I think the French Ordnance Army is, um, it's, it's, a, the, the, it's the classic flick knife, Swiss Army knife. You can have any combination of all sorts of things. And I mean, virtually every time I see it, I see a different version. I mean, it's one big issue is getting more than 19 bases, units in the army, I think, because it's all full of fancy, all dancing, really good stuff. Um, I've got 20. Yeah, yeah that's not just bad. crept above that, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I think Andy's gone for the all nights version, mm. which is, you know, I mean, there's two ways of playing, isn't there? There's one where you take the Swiss and you have the two Swiss pikemen and you have some good, in, you have a good infantry corps supported by very good knights, or you have to go for the very heavy knights. I mean, Andy, I think, has gone for the very heavy knights. Personally, um, I'm not sure about one Swiss pike. I'm mm. not sure about... Well, you can, take, you can take that without having to take the Swiss as an ally. Yeah, yeah okay. I think... Um, yeah, I think it, just gives, it just anchors that heavy infantry, doesn't it? It gives them a real anti-cavalry thing. Yeah. yeah. I think I'd be tempted to take the Stradius as a light horse. Because I, I think you can probably get him as elite. Can't, I think, are you allowed to elite? Yeah, I could, I could take them as elite medium cavalry impact as well. I just haven't got the points. Yeah, yeah no, I think I'd take them as light. I think I'd get some light horse elites in there if I could, just because it's my preference. And uh, of course, I'd like my um, mediocre bowmen in there. Bow in pairs. Of I've course. got one. You've got, <laughs> I've got a mediocre bow. Yeah, in pairs. In pairs. Me to pair. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even better if you can have a, an or, a, a decent, an ordinary crossbowman or bowman with a, a mediocre guy shooting with him. Mm. Well, it's, it's got two. It's got two longbowmen to 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 support. So yeah, you know. yeah or, or a long, have a longbowman, but have a mediocre bowman shooting with him. Yeah, yeah I've got a mediocre crossbow with a longbow. Yeah, yeah. It's not pleasing some people, honestly. No, <laughs> of course, <laughs> Simon. What, what about you? You're a heavy metal guy as well. What do you think? Yeah, I've been partial to a bit of heavy metal over the years. Um, so, yeah, Andy has gone for the uh, an absolute shitload of knights, which is always quite good in my, uh, my book. In some ways, I would have preferred an extra pikeman. One pike with two heavy swordsmen, 200 weapon choppers makes for a slightly small death star or something to annoy mounted. You, know, you could split your mounted and get the swordsman, ignore the pike, then hard flank the pikeman. Or if you have... If you can get two pikemen, I know it's always the challenge with this army, it just makes that heavy foot command just a little bit bigger because you can often have sword, pike, sword, pike. So wherever you look, there's a big pikeman about to charge you mounted. Um, yeah. I suppose that's getting... what kicks this army down to, that would kick this army down to 13, sorry, to 19. You'd have to lose a, an ordnance archer and and the light infantry, wouldn't you, to get... Not necessarily, because, no, because... Well, you could do it by swapping out one Italian knight for, for an elite pikeman. Yeah, possibly. Get both 13 yeah. points. Yeah, so you can definitely do that. Um, but okay. it's definitely got a lot, it's got a lot of shooty. So in, in, in the period, you've got longbowmen, who we all know can absolutely make a, a mounted army's life an absolute nightmare, plus with the crossbowmen shooting. Meanwhile, with you know, um, seven, uh, seven knights running around, you can definitely um, give most armies... A hiding because a lot of the other mountain, eight nights, a lot of, Simon. sorry, uh, eight nights. Sorry, I've got my glasses on. 
four, five, yeah, the stacks. three. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of a lot of the other medieval armies in the the high medieval don't get that many knights. So I think the medieval Germans can get close to it, but most of their almost all of theirs are ordinary, where you've got quite a few elite. So it does give you that punch if you can get the first breakthrough, then you can really start to um. Wrap an, wrap, wrap an army around. The other thing is the strategy it's being medium cavalry. If I can get them on the flank of somebody, it's really going to hurt if I hit them in the flank with them. Yeah, yeah. especially when you've got the, the Stradiot and the Light Horse cavalry. You can get you a can lot start of upsides to... with that, can't you? Yeah. yeah. You can really do something with that. Okay. All right, Peter, do we want to um, pass over the screen share to you? How many knights? And, um, and let you see if you can... Um, let's see how many medium knights you can fit in this army that's not allowed any medium knights. Yeah. This means war. All right, Peter, let's flip yours up onto screen then and see how that differs. So, again, it's 1465. Um, I'm, first glance, I'm not seeing an ally, which is it slightly changes the mix of things already, which is a good one. But talk us, through your, um, talk us through your three commands here. Well, uh, 1465, it's the reason why for 1465 is because that's the last year where you can actually dismount the knights uh, by choice. Um, the reason I picked that is because um, I had the joy of going to the worlds at Chalois in Belgium and got my uh, rear handed to me quite handily. Uh, I took French ordnance um, that time and uh, learned very quickly that um, it's very handy to have heavy knights who are able to dismount at your choice as opposed to theirs, when, especially when you come up against people like Swiss. Um, so that's why I chose this period uh, this year, because it's the last year you can do that then that uh, then has a knock-on effect for what other units and what else you can choose. So I've got two commands of uh, three heavy knight impact elite. So wow. they're there, they're the delivery. That's punchy, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're going to go in. Um, I've got another heavy knight impact uh, for one of them, so that will be to spread it out um, a little bit more. And what I've also done is taken the elite bowmen. So as you were saying earlier, Dave, your favorite, have one mediocre bowman tied to an elite longbowman. Uh, they work fantastic. So they're there to work the edges and really, you know, own that terrain, get a few shots in. If I can just take down uh, a couple of the opposition before my knights go in, then that's perfect. That'll then just have that sort of domino effect happening. And that's what I'm going to aim for. And I want to get them to come to me. So that's why with the third command, I've gone for the medium artillery. Now, if I get lucky, there's a hill with its name on it. I can just sit it on there and just pop away at people. Otherwise, it's one of those commands with a couple of heavy spearmen where I'm trying to get the enemy to come down to me. Either you've got to try and avoid it or you've got to come towards it. Either way, I'm trying to get you to respond to me. And uh, that medium artillery, it can still move up with the spearmen if needed. Um, but it can be there and popping away at, um, in this period, quite often people are turning up with uh, a lot of heavy knights or some foot knights or things like that. And, you know, the artillery happily ignores armor. So I can happily pop away uh, with that. So that's the basic crux of uh, this army. I've got 22 units. There's a fair bit of light. So once things break up, I can then have the knights to sort of separate and have a light infantry off to the side so you can keep having that local wins 
And so that's why I've gone for the two competent commanders because when I've played this a couple of times, it's almost like um, you get the first hit and, and then it breaks up fast. And being able to have that ability to have that little bit extra support for that one extra overlap uh, really helped a few times. Right, so do you see this as two wings of mounted knights as a default with being supported by archers or are you using those wings together to kind of get you know mega overload on one flank and then then this the sort of the little tiny come and get me army as as the fulcrum um well, how, how do you it, how do you actually set them up well you've basically um, outlined my two strategies so depending on who i'm up against and what they are um that's where i've got to choose depending on the terrain Either I do that, have the two wings and say, come and get me if it's, um, say, you know, some heavies or whatever. Um, or I can then stack one side, use the artillery, you know, depending on the terrain and everything else as a sort of like a hold off to stall uh, the opposition. And a couple of uh, light cavalry sort of like peeling off to um, slow down the opposition coming while I fix and take out uh, the other side. So. Um, it gives me that degree of flexibility. So uh, when I'm actually going into it to see what I want to do. And would you would you only see these guys dismounting against elephants and and possibly wagons, or is there a scenario in which you turn Swiss. one of those mounted commands into a, a dismounted foot command? If someone turns up with a lot of pike, they're going to dismount and chop them to bits. Right. Um, <laughs> okay. they're, they're basically foot knights. Yeah. Um, foot knights, you know. Um, okay, the pikemen are two, but the foot knights have got heavy armor, they've got two-handed weapons, uh, they're still elite, they'd be going in and shopping nicely, um, and I would have the choice to be able to dismount. So I could even have the artillery popping away at their pikes as they come to my heavy uh, hmm. two-handed choppies, um, you know, my knights, uh, foot knights, and um, hopefully that can make the difference. You take them out on that, okay. All right, um, Dave, um, come to you first. What's, um, what do you think of this one? It, you know, it, it's not got that infantry centre unless one of the commands dismounts, which is, a, which is almost an infantry centre. But it, it does have your you know, vote, much, much trailed pairs of bowmen, one good, one bad. What do you think? Well, my first comment is that everybody's slagged off my Ottomans, the artillery, <laughs> in a micro-command. And I, I seem to see Pete's taking medium artillery, medium artillery with two heavy spear. Well, they're not going to operate in terrain. Mm. So, uh, you know, unless it's a, a, a gentle hill that open, um, I think I'd be tempted to find some points from somewhere to get some uh, defences for the artillery and things. No, I, I quite like it. He's, he's got the bowman. I mean, you could put the knights on the outside. You can support the artillery and the infantry with your bowmen. So you could put knights to the outside. Um, I think I'd be interested in looking for some uh, some heavy cavalry instead of the light cavalry somewhere, maybe. I mean, yeah. you've, got, you've got 22 I, I units in the army. I, I think, yeah, just to bolster it a bit. One I thing almost, I like to do with a You're French saying that 22 is too many, in a way. You, could, you can afford to go down to 20 with this for a little bit more grunt. Yeah, I think, you know, um, the one thing which occurs to me there is there's actually, strangely for Peter, there's not enough knights. Right. Um, <laughs> um, I think you've got three and three. I think you're going to find yourself facing four. Three and four, Dave. He's got four in the first core. He's got an Italian. Yeah, one's an ordinary. I know it's only an ordinary. But I think, you know, I mean, 
I'd like to taste kits on with the medieval Spanish. I think that would work. Um, yeah, yeah, that's an interesting point. Is, is three enough? Because the rest of the stuff is support, isn't it? The light cavalry is very much yeah. support, and then two bowmen to support. There's not, there's not an infantry anchor there, um, and you can't push those two spearmen from the, the third command up as an anchor either. You are, you're all in, aren't you? You're all in with the knights. Um, they win. The artillery in the centre of the table, yeah. and you've got three knights and three knights, and I think, well, I, I know four, and you know is. Yeah. There. I think maybe there's, but then this is, I think the Medi ATLG medieval is the most even fight and it's all about your army list and no matter what game you play, you'll find you've got a problem. Hmm. All the lists have got a problem. Um, Simon is our other, our other expert for French ordnance. Um, what, um, what's your kind of immediate reaction to this one? I like the idea of the of the the artillery, having the having that ability of being able to reach out and touch someone at eight. Um, I think it's at eight UD, stops any scary uh, foot armies sitting out of range while they're mounted. Deal with deal with you because you can spread wide. I think that you can fire two UD each side of the artillery. You can really start to annoy a lot of infantry units or whoever sits in front of you and being that you don't care about art, um, their armor it's a great way of negating the i'm the medieval spanish heavy oh, foot knight with six, elite and, sorry six um they are is quite effective it does become a little bit of a weakness though um i've tried it a couple of times with a, a very small command of artillery and spearmen sometimes people just you know um charge it down punch through the artillery in about a turn flat and then life gets very interesting the big mounted army big mounted wings all great fun i think if you run up against a like an elephant army you're going to be in a world of hurt um yes i know you can dismount but as someone who's been on the receiving end of a rampaging elephant with a dismounted army it doesn't bode well so um yeah it's, it's much, much... yeah it's interesting isn't it tamsin have you got any any thoughts on this one is this a one of your kind of straightforward to use things that some um... i think both i both lists lists you're saying tonight are, are relatively straightforward to you so i'm not certain which which are like which way i'll 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 go on voting on this i think i need to see well, that's that's a good you know that's a good indication they're both pretty pretty solid lists isn't it i think um yeah. you know, i get yes and andy were you saying you've used a similar list to this online recently or this is Oh, no, you no, well, I use a similar one to mine. Yeah. yeah. In fact, yeah. I played, I played, I, the list I used against, I played against Simon and Dave recently yeah. using Ordnance French, using something very similar. Against Dave, I tried using a medium artillery, and um, yeah. I think you just had to pay too much to get it compared to what else you had. Yeah, it's an interesting, you know, I, I really do like the idea of that final command with the artillery and two spearmen and then a couple of lightfoot who run away as an anchor. But I don't know, Peter, would you be able to, you know, what if you upgraded those spearmen out of mediocre into normal? I don't even know if that's possible in in the list. But then, would that mean you could actually possibly do something with them in a way? You know, I, um, I just look at the heavy spearmen and go, as mediocre, they're just they're almost padding along with the artillery. They can't go off and, and attempt to do something. But for me, they are padding. I, I'll yeah. be honest; they yeah. they are uh, basically. 
um, there to stop someone just sending one horse up against the medium artillery. Yeah. And the artillery is there to annoy someone with a lot of heavy foot and basically um, force them to react. And that's what I'm aiming to do. It's only 30 points, isn't it? It's only 15% of the army. It's almost nothing. Yeah. And if I can chip away at someone, I can draw them off. um, I can get them distracted. Uh, Meanwhile, I can then concentrate my knights and punch through. The knights there, they're heavy, they're impact, they're elite, they're not impetuous. So once they do punch through, they can turn. That's the delivery system. So it's almost like going back to the uh, Death Star piece where you've got, say, a small command to distract the enemy. Uh, With this one, it's just cannonballs coming in, landing on the heads to distract them uh, while I punch through. Because, fine, I might be slightly overlapped on one side with the knights, but uh, provided I can cover off on the other side, I'll only have the overlap on one. And with them being elite heavy knights, they're going to punch through most things. I'm I'm not worried about that. And as long as I can punch through and I can hold off on the other side, um, I think it's got a pretty good goer. Uh, the other thing with having the bow and the longbow, um, I know Dave mentioned it earlier, um, mm. that works well as a two-punch combo. Instead of just having the two bowmen together uh, as elite, which you know makes a massive difference. You're talking a mediocre bowman at five, uh, firing the same distance as the elite longbow, but also the elite longbow is just that much more effective. Um, yeah. I can't remember the actual percentages um, off the top of my head, but it really jumps it up a level. Yeah, well, I guess that they're, they're the twice, twice as the expensive, more than twice as expensive. So I guess they should be. You but, can always uh, elect to use the mediocre as supporting the yeah. other bow guard. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, that's the that's the aim. You basically yeah. uh, the bowman, mediocre bowman, is there to make the lo- elite longbow so much more effective because you better. just need those one or two hits from the knights going in, um, and then all of a sudden you're three one up. You got yeah. a big advantage. Okay. All right. Well, look, shall we um shall we move to the the wrap up then um, on this one, I think, um, Dave. If I if I start with you, um, mm. what's your um, what's your thoughts on these two? The two wings of knights, or the um, the more kind of mixed infantry and, and other bits and pieces one um, on, of, of Andy's here. Uh, I don't think I'd, I'd do either with those versions, but I think um, I would go for Andy's version. Yeah, and what what tempts it for you? Because it doesn't, you know, the other one's got two pairs of bowmen. It's got super Dave, you know, it's been designed to appeal to Dave in the voting system is what I'm looking at that one. I think Andy's army's got more grunts to it. Mm -hmm. I think think the artillery in the medieval um, period is, uh, I'm I'm, going to sound contrary to myself. I think with an Ottoman army, I take the artillery. With an ordnance army, I don't take the artillery. Right, and, and explain go, that then. Does that make any sense? <laughs> yeah, I, I think I I go I would go Swiss, and um, I go for the Swiss infantry in an ordnance French army, supporting knights. But I I I don't think the artillery works. It's probably the artillery not working. Um, Simon, yeah. what what do you think on this one? Um, which of these two would you um, would you say is is the one to choose from? For me, I'd go the I'd be going Andy's option. It gives me slightly more options. Mass knights is great, but I have run up against some um, horror armies um, 
you know, either mass spear, mass pike, or even foot knights and all that, where you get the combination of foot knight, pike, foot knight, crossbowmen, where, where you run down as a mass knight army, you're always facing a bad combination. The artillery is a lot of fun. Um, I know I've annoyed Peter um, with artillery in various games where, oh, look, there's an elephant general out there. Here's a heavy artillery piece. Bang, hit, bang, hit, bang, hit. That's him resolved. Um, so I do, the artillery is very powerful and can be very, very useful. But I think having a decent foot command with the two knight commands does allow you, especially if you can get like a waterway or something to lock some of the table down, you can start pushing your entire army across the table going, bring it. Everywhere you look, there's something scary and something annoying to deal with. There's no soft and gooey bit in the army. Okay. All right. I think before we come to, to you to wrap up, Tamsin, I think I, if I'm looking at these two, it is, it is tough because they're, well, obviously they're the same, but different. Um, I think um, Simon, just picking up on your thing, it, it, that concept of, a decent infantry block that you can push push across the table and, and make people react to. You know, I think I look at, at Andy's list and I'm just not convinced that that first infantry block is quite is good enough. It's actually only got three combat troops and then it's got, you know, a couple of bowmen and, and a, another crossbow, poor quality crossbow, but there's still only one pikeman and two unarmored swordsmen there. Um, and, and the army is a little bit later, which doesn't give it the option of, of being able to dismount. So I think I can see, in theory, Simon's point that a good heavy command that focuses attention is a good thing to just shove in people's faces. But I'm I'm just not convinced that that command one actually is it. Um, and then on the others, if you know if they're fighting, it is five knights and three knights against four knights and three knights. So. That gives an edge, but I, I just think Peter's, you know, Dave S combos of longbowmen and, and mediocre bowmen. It's very easy to see how you're supposed to use them. Um, you know, the knights go in, the bowmen do some support. You're not going to be tempted, and and that, you know, the the thing I don't, I just think with Peter's my my tweak to it would be probably upgrading the spearmen a bit and losing the element count down to twenty um, or twenty one because I just feel the spearmen are padding. And if they were ordinary, they could become something you could push forward. And they just last a... Oh, they can't be ordinary. Okay. Well, maybe try and find something just a bit more resilient than mediocre spearmen. I think they're too, too close to being padding. Um, The date range precludes it, doesn't it? Maybe the date range precludes doing something better than that. But I I just worry they're a little bit padding, but I think I'd still go with Peters because it would be interesting and, it, it does what it says on the tin. I, I just think Andy's first command isn't quite grunty enough to qualify as a grunty, grunty command, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Tamsin, what, what do you think um, on this one? I think, uh, as I said earlier, I mean, both lists work, would work for me. I think on balance, I'd probably go with Peter's, simply because the Condottieri allies, I think it's, too possibly too too much of the army is tied up in that that could could stay hesitant could be avoided. Yeah, it's half your knights almost, isn't it? Yeah, the commands are defeated. I good point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I'll go with Peters. Okay, well, look, you know, in the absence of Adam, maybe we should um, phone a friend because we're on a tie at the moment. 
um, or I'm, I'm just assuming Andy and Peter, you're both going to vote for your own. So there's no tiebreaker there. So, so we've actually got a, a, mutual. a we've got a mutual, we've got a mutual destruction this week. So fantastic. Good. Nice to have that one for a change. It's a mutual destruction. But with those with those two army lists compared, then I think it's time for um, it's it's time for our computer expert to um, to dial in, fire up the bleepy bleepy modem, Mr. Lee Ray Mayer. I, I can um, I can see you reaching around the back of um, of the phone trying to plug it in. Um, nobody's going to make any calls. You're on random.org. You're on random.org. We can hear the keyboard noises. Ding. Um, so please hit us with what random.org has gifted us with, with this list, week. List 245. Blimey. Another late one. Later Byzantine. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's a really interesting one. Wow. It's got lots of options inside it. When we went to the Worlds in Spain, hmm. I think after, after the first two rounds, the top player was using this late oh no that was that was besieged byzantines even. besieged wow and everybody was sitting there going what how the what? hell did you know that well okay. two, two years ago at, at warfare clive was using um later byzantine and he was either first or second at the at the end of saturday and he came up against inaki on the sunday morning and inaki won by one point that's right that's right and that's how close clive's later byzantine was to being on the podium and getting near the winning so so next week then um because it must be my turn and i think that also means it must be tamsin's turn as well it'll be a, a tamsin versus tim later byzantine this 245 to see whether it's trebizond paleological if that's the word um the empire of nicosia the desperate of morea the desperate of Repros. there's all sorts of funky options there in them and paleologian and we'll so will this in. be a um a tt tt simulator it could may possibly yes i'm sure these armies exist maybe um maybe we'll conjure up these lists on um tts and some of us can have a game as well i mean i've got to i've got to download tts then no 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 no. we'll, we'll find a way around it but look that's, was also that's just what we're looking at Hamzen and tim yeah 245 that's what we're doing next week right well with that um with that that's a fitting point at which to lurch into uh, you know a questionable army with an, a list that throws up lots of questions and then i think it is time for the French questions, which heralds Andy's quiz. Fire away, hit us with your quiz-tastic answers from last week and your quiz-tastic questions from this week. Right, well, last week's quiz was about maids of honour. And I asked you questions about three ladies. The first one was, this lady was appointed as warrant officer by General George Washington after the Battle of Monmouth Courthouse in 1777, where she reportedly served as a crew member on an American artillery gun after her husband was incapacitated. During the battle, a cannonball passed between her legs, removing the lower part of her skirt, to which she observed, that could have been worse. Anyone know who she is? Molly something? Yeah, Molly Pitcher. Her real name was Mary Hayes, but she was known as Molly Pitcher. Okay. Question two. 
Armed with a pitchfork, this Welsh lady led a group of women who captured 12 drunk French soldiers who were part of the force which invaded Fishguard in 1797. I haven't got a clue. Not a clue. Um, I know this one. Uh, oh. I'm trying to remember her name. Uh, Gemma. Gemma Farr. Jemima Nicholas. Pretty close. Yes. I'll give you get half points for a Gemma for yeah, Jemima. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yes. Yep. Okay. Right, the third one is, this Jewish widow became matron of the Chimborazo Military Hospital in Richmond, Virginia during the American Civil War and improved the recovery rate of patients by putting chicken soup on the menu. Right, okay. Um, Not a Scooby. Not a Scooby. Yeah. Her name was Phoebe Yates Pember. Phoebe Yates Pember, that's a good double-barreled American Civil War name, definitely. Did she, did she have a massive beard? That was a big thing of the American Civil War as well, wasn't it? Um, no. I think only, only after a very long, long shift, probably, but... Uh... Right. OK, then. Good. So, OK, then. Hit us with, hit us with this week's questions. Right. So this week's uh, theme is called Missing Bits. Right. So question one. Before Robert the Bruce died in 1329 and was buried at Dunfermline, he directed that his heart should be taken on crusade to Jerusalem before being brought back to be buried at, buried at Melrose Abbey. Sir James Douglas took the heart with him in a metal casket, which he wore around his neck, until he was killed on crusade in a <laughs> Middle Eastern country. In what country? In what country? Right. Okay. Right. Question two. On the 30th of April every year, the French Foreign Legion parades past the wooden hand of Commandant d'Anjou of the 1st Battalion of the Legion, the yeah. commander of a force of 65 legionnaires who in 1863 resisted a force of two to 3,000 enemies until the legionnaires were reduced to three in number. And what's the name of that battle? Okay, French Foreign Legion always being wiped out and um, we've got a wooden hand. So in terms of body parts, I'm, I'm quaking in fear at what the final question will be, but hit us with it, Andy, hit us with it. Right. Despite losing an eye in aerial combat in 1942, the top surviving Japanese fighter race took to the skies again as a combat pilot in 1944. Over Iwo Jima, he took off in his zero during an American carrier raid to join up with a squadron of zeros, only to discover too late they were American Hellcats and outnumbered them 15 to one. He managed to manoeuvre the combat back over Iwo Jima, where Japanese flak drove off the Americans. His plane had not been hit even once during the air battle. What was his pilot's name? Okay, it's a good story. It's a very good story. We will find out what his name is next week. Oh, French disco. Can't argue with it, can you, really? Um, yes, two weeks away, and I, I feel like I've been missing it. Um, but, but always glad to hear that coming back. So, look, as we, um, as we get into the real end zone of this, then, another quick rush round the, the group of six, the gang of six here, to ask what's on the painting table for next week. So, Tamsin, I think you've already um, teased us with some stories of, of extra terrain, but there must be a point at which you've got more buildings than the actual megacity one even if they're all made out of MDF. Are you, are you getting to that point soon? What, what's on the pile for this week for you? 
Uh, this week, scattered terrain, hopefully, I, uh, probably another building and hopefully some figures. Figures? Ooh. What kind of figures? Uh, some metal metal figures, i.e. cobblestone castings from uh, Future Wars range. I've got a, oh. a new news reporter team and cool. some, some troopers. Good. That will be something good for us to see then. Fantastic. And um, running around the screen, Peter, I, I can't ask you about Austrians and I can't ask you about badger hair anymore. What what are we talking no. about now? Yeah, Tell well, us. the hair's cut, so it's uh, yeah. looking dashing again. Yeah. Um, I've got... Uh, I've got my Spanish turning up and uh, I've got my Dremel turning up. So I get to drill various things to uh, hold um, spears and uh, piked and knights and uh, all those lovely things. So have you uh, I've the got spears? the have, for it. Have you actually bought the spears though? Uh, yes, I've got the spears. It's all set up. Uh, I've got, you know, guys whitewashed waiting to be drilled. Wow. So, so any, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, how many um, uh, holes do you reckon Peter will come to the, in his hands in the next, next, yeah. next podcast? <laughs> will it be both thumbs drilled through or just yeah. a couple of fingers? Uh, guaranteed. It's like it, it just adds to the richness of the colours yeah. of the paint, you know? It really, really does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, all that. Well, oh. plus that you'll, you'll, when I've got it, then uh, I'll be finding various things around the garden that I've actually got to drill, sand, uh, buff, or something else with the, the Dremel. So uh, I'll be coming back with probably some sort of rust all over me from uh, drilling next time. Rust-based Dremel stories. Good. All right. Simon, what, what, what about you? What's on your, your shopping or painting list this week? The Brits all done now for, for final? The Brits? The, um, the ancient British. The, the oh yes so the ancient british are now done so i've just got to finish their basing but that doesn't that doesn't count um so if we get some decent weather i'm going to be uh, base coating my six mil british moderns so going from ancient british to modern british yeah um I've, I've stripped all those tanks and they're um, ready to be repainted and i've actually finally made a, a move on my 30 years old swedish uh, for ADLGR, so I'm just painting up all the yellow coats to make some of the big, scary um, s yellow brigades, the the big big salvo units, the ones who are quite iconic. What's, so what's going to be your guns. What's, what's going to be your base colour for the modern Brits? Then, is there um, is, are you painting straight onto the tanks with the final colour, or um, what, have you got a plan for those? Um, it's going to be base coat grey. Because that's the the primer I could find, and then it'll be uh, brown and different uh, desert colours that way. Because I've done the tanks in a um, deserty brown style of colour, okay. and then with um, camouflage on top of that. Because we've desert all done, story. yeah, we've all done um, European tanks, and they get a bit boring. It's like green, 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 dark green, yeah. green. Yeah. So the desert gives you a, bit, a few more options. Because I've got my Marines at a more marini color and the english mm. are more a brown color so it's quite different quite um visual to see they're the americans they're the british and whoever else so the chali and the abrams will stand out from um, even from tabletop distances just because yes. they're color coded excellent yep all right shouldn't you be uh, doing them in a sort of toothbrush uh tube color get a tube because they've got the toothbrush aerial so sort of a tooth toothpaste color 
Well, you do need to keep your teeth clean. I do acknowledge that. Uh, but I don't see Colgate White being quite um, helpful in, um, in the desert. It's not quite going to cut it. Unless it's oh, for your end peacekeepers. Yes, true. And I have done I have done some um, uh, markers with UN peacekeepers. So um, um, just because you can, just because you can. No, that's true. Andy, what about you? Um, what's what's on the list this week? You've got um, you were telling it's Thracians, is it? Um, no, no, no. The the no. Thracians are somewhere down. There. I'm I'm finishing off the uh, Breton cavalry, and then I think I'm going to go straight to the um, Carthaginian elephants. Right. Uh, so I've got them for so I've got them for warfare. If I do decide to do Carthaginians, and um, then I'll, I shall consider. But having found much more stuff to paint, then I should probably have to you know backfill on some of that stuff. Um, I found my Warmaster uh, fantasy armies, and I'm going to have a go if I think of it, if I can get round to it, of seeing how that works for ADLG, but with um, the fantasy armies. And then I've got two paint, and I've got two two paint. Uh, if I ever get around to that. Okay. And then, um, Mr. Saunders, you're, you're, you've suddenly started an epic amount of, of far too many blokes war with round band. shields and axes, is it? Warband with Angon and with uh, Francisca. Yeah, so, that's um, the full set. The debate is, do I... I mean, it, it's... Is, it, is the debate, do you paint the lot or try and flog some to me? Um, uh, <laughs> Uh, I think I I think I debate whether I put uh, there's too many variations. Mm. I prefer them to be a bit more. It's an enigma. Made. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how to base them. I mean, they look very warbandy, but then they just look like a bit of a mess, really. Yeah, that's, that's half the fun of warband. They're impetuous. They're supposed yeah. to be a mess. They're supposed to be charging forward. Yeah, Arms but they're just, they're, they're just the end up like a mess. You're being too logical. Passion. I, I don't know. I think putting, you know, buying buying into the idea that you can fit six or seven on the base and getting them more of a clump is actually yeah. not a bad thing. You know, not, once, you get, once you get eight, they are definitely in two ranks and they look like ranked up figures that exactly. are irregular. Well, I think I maybe try sixes and sevens and just get them. I like, I like the warband effect. And like, what I like to do is put two at the back and five in a sort of semicircle in front of them. Yeah. Make it look warbandy. So, but all, but there's so many variation of figures because I've got the Francesca, which is a throwing axe, and the Angon, yeah. the throwing spear. Um, I'm I'm starting to sort of look at doing one base with more static, relaxed figures, and mm. another base with more active figures. And what they do, they do a bag of figures with what lattes and and and. You know, small cakes and things. There's, there's an enormous amount of variation. There's guys running forward and that. I mean, I, don't know. They're just I guess you know, But I'll work on it. I've got plenty of toys to paint. Yeah. <laughs> right, in the end. Also, you could, you if you could... mess up one or two of them, it's no big deal because you've got so many. Exactly, yeah, yeah. It's just a matter of, you know, getting the figures in the right combination on the bases. Yeah, because yeah, you could use the um, the the warband with the throwing croissants and the um, the exactly. double double handed double handed baguette. You could use them as the elite ones. So yeah. that tends to yeah. give you that uh, op visual option of the, the more vibrant ones. But Dave, are you making full use of your wet palette to be able to go back and forth with different uh, colours? Wet palettes. I've, I've given up on the wet palette. 
it's just too too much mess was it <laughs> I, I just i don't know there's too much going on at the moment with right. between the the, the the war bands mixtures the rugby to rugby shirt or not to rugby shirt yeah. Because if you do too many rugby shirts, they start looking bloody ridiculous. <laughs> Especially if yeah. you do yellow with light blue, that just doesn't work at all. You've got to do mm. a dark yellow with a dark red. Right. Or, yeah, these combinations. Make it so, look like Dennis Semenis. But the, I mean, the idea was the wet palette would like have the ability to do all these different combinations of uh, warband. You'd have all these like various yeah. paints. To mix in on the palette, but that no. doesn't work. I'm sure that's what the after 24 bases, the last four bases will be fantastic and done by wet palettes and all have rugby shirts. Yeah, but that's about six months' time. But getting to that's kind of tricky, okay. Well, I think I've um, I've just got back to find that um, I, I've received through the post um, another Malifaux figure after painting those six or eight the other week and um of Dr. Alexei Sokolov, who is a, um, an alternative sculpt for um, Joss, who's got a cybernetic arm and hits people very hard. Um, this is something that um, I've been waiting to come in the post for almost a year, I think, but he's finally, finally arrived. So I've got one thirty-two mil figure to do. And then I've got that real debate um, to do I go for the Black Seas um, ships and try and do them for a break? Or do I look and say, actually, we're now getting into the middle of July and I probably should crack on with the um, the 28 mil Arabs because they're going to need a lot of making before I can actually undercoat them and all the rest of it. Um, and then once they get undercoated, it's kind of a big spray, dry army. And, and it will be um, it will be September, October before we notice it. And, and if I start with some funny little ships, they're probably easier to do in in the dark possibly um and then i can kind of toy with the idea of buying some card markers and things i think the other thing is is obviously when when and if and how gaming starts i think there's tentative moves at, at central london to to get back to having four or five tables in the pub um in a in a socially distanced way which i think we've we've looked at and realized that if we just stick with five tables we can keep them all the best part of two meters apart and if people play with face masks um and only interact with the person that they're playing um it's probably possible to do it legally there's there's some kind of sort of weird rules around social clubs and and gatherings which mean you kind of would need to sort of to to live with the rules you'd probably need to pre-arrange your game arrive and just talk to the person that you're you're playing against and then leave without chatting to to other people because i think when you go to a pub you're supposed to not chat to other groups of people even if you know them but you know how much that works or, or whatever it's all a little bit weird but but i think there's kind of tentative moves to do that and and i think also there's you know I, i'm toying with the idea of whether it is possible to you know set up a game outside i've seen quite a few people on facebook do that and and maybe you know, maybe if this weekend's a decent one, um, that's a possibility before it gets too dark in the evenings, because we've already right. gone past the longest day and, and try and maybe do that over the weekend as well at some point. Um, but I think, I, you know, my big thing is 
one of the upsides of spending a week of, of doing DIY down in Devon, other than learning some new, you know, six inch paintbrush techniques was I managed to break um, the handle of a fairly new broom that we got for outside, which finally means I now have a broom head with the plastic bristles of the right size that you can snip down for pikes. So that, um, that kind of half-hearted plastic thing that I did a, week, a few weeks ago with the Swiss that, that never quite worked. And everybody goes, buy a broom, buy a broom, buy a broom. And you think, I know buying a broom makes sense. It only costs like eight quid, but it's a really weird thing to do and I'm not going to do it because it's just strange. I've now done that by accident. So I now own. Well, well done. Well, that was that was by accident, was it? It was exactly by accident. It's a complete accident. Yeah, but Tim, what so you could have done is, is even with a bro- an unbroken broom, you could just snip one or two bristles off and stick them on the Swiss to see if it works. No, no, I've just gone for the whole broom head. I'm gonna, you know, the whole thing. So, so I've now got a broom head, so I can start doing that, which would, is another reason to do the 28 mil Arabs as well, because I think it could work quite well for them. Does Does that mean you've also got to do a, a Highland army as well? A Highland with the brooms. Is that oh, well, I'm missing you know, something? Because they have a lot of mediocre pike, don't they? They do, but I've already got sort of that Scots army anyway, with um with those museum yeah. figures where there's only about two or three poses, but they look like there's a lot more of them. Um, and I think I saw somebody on on again Facebook had painted up this week. So, so I think the broom may well. You know, again, you know, again with that in a competition once. And they seem like you would shit loads of these things. Yeah, Too Simon good. did very well. Simon won all your games with that with Scots army, didn't he? Yeah, thrashed everybody. Five zero, five zero. It was epic, wasn't it? But so I think you know that probably is tipping me towards starting the Arabs, and and that does also allow me to use the sprue cutting tool as well, which is a massive, ah, massive win. Well, you didn't say you had a sprue cutting tool, so it's always a choice of shiny, yeah, something sharp that can cut fingers off. Yeah, you've got to go with that. You, yeah. you know, there's a Dremel attachment for that. There's a Dremel attachment for sprue cutting. Although, again, down in Devon, I, I put up some um, fencing and wiring with sort of um, four or some, some kind of wire like you would have on the, the edge of a ship kind of thing to do some of the fencing. So I've actually got a, a two foot long set of bolt cutters, so, <coughs> which do cut like this sort of five mil thick wire um, very, very easily. Like, yeah, yeah, it's kind of good. So, you know, if there's any trouble with these brush, brush bristles, I've now got you know all the stuff to do it as well as a normal sprue splitter so we'll see by next week whether i'm actually you know high on airfix glue smell and um or, <laughs> trying to yeah or missing or have some you still fingers. got all your fingers yeah missing some fingers as well so yeah, i think there may be a future discussion of which brush provides the best fish well there there's a best bristles best brush for the best bristles Yes, exactly. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, sorry, which which DIY you know DIY no, toothbrush? I go for the IKEA. Um, yeah, <laughs> outside floor brush. I'm good. Yeah. I'm I'm I, more of a fan of the Tiger Tiger one because you can get them for a pound. Yeah, that's only going to be like two quid, isn't it? From Tiger it's Tiger. It's more Scandinavian, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I just I just hope that my theme of the quiz this week, uh, missing bits, wasn't a wasn't prescient for for, for members of the group. Uh, well, look, I think, you know, we, it's, I think that, that brings us very neatly to our traditional ending of um, stay safe out there and, um, and not only not only avoid the virus, but... Um, don't drill anything you don't know what you're doing. Don't yeah. drill anything you don't know what you're doing and don't Get cut any of your own fingers off. Don't cut any of your own fingers off. Stay safe out there. Goodbye, everybody. See you. Bye-bye.
to Lee Ray Mayer. He's, he's yep. muted himself. No, he hasn't. No, sorry. Painting. Oh. Falling asleep. Sorry, anything no. from... No. Okay. No, I'm here. Sorry. I was sorry, busy making a cup of tea for the wife. Oh, right. Um, More important. Yeah, so hence the, the noise down.